0: This is Episode 75 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Kindred Mom Podcast, where we are wrapping up our Peaceful Home series that we've been going through over on the Kindred Mom blog for the last three months. It's been quite a journey. So many wonderful essays have been shared, and I have learned so much from the podcast guests that we've had, as well as our team. And today we are just putting an exclamation point on it with an episode about what it looks like to be a wholehearted mom how being a wholehearted mom brings more peace to our home and more peace to ourselves so I hope that the following conversation blesses you richly and also we are rolling right into a new series on kindred mom it is the ages and stages of childhood and it is going to be such a great exploration of the developmental stages of kids and some of the challenges that we face at different points in our mothering journey i hope that you'll stick around and hear more from the writers and the guests that we have ahead I also want to ask you to please go and subscribe to our email newsletter where we are sending out a weekly digest of what we are creating here at kindredmom.com as well as a curated list of links that we think will be really helpful to you. Our whole team contributes to that and it's something that we do because we think it will really serve you and we don't want to waste your time. So hop on over, subscribe to our list and we'll send you an email this coming weekend. This is the final episode of the Peaceful Home series and today I'm really glad to have Lynn Patty and Mary Kate Brown here with me to officially welcome our friend Jay Jones who joined our Kindred Mom team recently and is helping me with doing stuff related to the podcast and audio and the Kindred Mom behind the scenes scene. And so we would love to begin by talking about Jay Jones. Jay, welcome. Thank you
1: so much, Emily. I'm so glad to be here with you.
0: Yeah, we're really glad to have you and um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your family so our listeners have some context about where you live
1: and the ages of your kids and um, really what it is that you love about Kindred mom. So my family, uh, there's my husband and I, and we have four kids. Um, we're in the south suburbs of Chicago and um, we have a 13 year old. We have a an 11 year old recently. We have, he just turned 11. I mean, we have an eight year old and we have a, an almost two year old. I love kindred mom because of the team, the awesome writers, the awesome writing that just connects with my heart in such a deep way. And I love that it's, as you have said many times, it really speaks with your voice, I I would have to say, because it's so gentle. It really is um, a ballast, right, especially now, but always Mm -hmm. uh, in life. Well, we're so glad to have you and can't wait to
0: involve you more on our conversations coming up in the next couple of months. And um, I just want to say that today our conversation is going to be about what it looks like to be a wholehearted mom. And so I'd love to invite you guys to just share your initial thoughts about what a wholehearted mom in an ideal sense might look like. And then also, is that something that you feel like is happening in your own life? Well, the first time I ever
2: heard the term wholehearted anything was Sally Clarkson um, in her book about homeschooling. And so this whole idea of wholeheartedness in any uh, realm has sort of been with me for maybe the past six or seven years. And so to kind of shift from wholehearted, um, the wholehearted child to now wholehearted motherhood really makes a lot of sense to me, I guess, like from a negative point, (laughs) there's always a part of my motherhood that I feel like is lacking. And then there's always parts I feel like I'm really good at. And so I feel like with the wholehearted nature of this, it's not only coming from like how to create like a full um, experience of motherhood, but also the overarching idea of why we're doing what we're doing and where we're getting energized. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with this wholehearted motherhood thing.
3: How about you guys? Yeah, when I think about being a wholehearted mom, I think what really stands out to me is that as mothers, we are so quick to put everybody else's needs above our own, um, especially when we have really young children who have like pressing needs all around the clock. And when I think about being a wholehearted mom, it's just like a gentle reminder to really prioritize myself because if I have to meet the needs of all the people in my family, which I'd love to do, I want to do that from a place Um like a place of overflow. I think a place of, you know, where I am allowing myself to be filled and allowing myself to be energized and that my needs are met, you know, by my communion with the Lord and by my relationship with him. And if I'm filling into those places, those those deep needs that I have in me, that I'm better able to pour into my family. And so I think it's just easy to autopilot and, you know, Mm -hmm. tackle this task here and meet this need here and do this thing and this thing. But I know for myself and for a lot of my mom friends, we need to take a step back and say, okay, like what are my needs? How do I allow myself to be filled? And so those are the things that come to mind and what I think of. And I think for me, I'm definitely a work in progress. Like there's some things that I've got going and there's places of growth in my life as well.
1: Well, that was super wise. Um, I don't, I don't think I tend to think, I mean, ministry is supposed to come from the overflow, all ministry. And this is a form of ministry, uh, motherhood. Um, But I have never thought of it as like, let me take care of myself. I generally come at it from a condemned state of mind. I have to be honest. And I just see all the lack. I just see um, myself not being present, not having enough energy or um, I'm going to say again, this word gentleness and um, that I, I can be harsh and aggressive, but there's just a lack. It always seems like timing is off for me. There's not enough time or I'm not making time, um, but I just don't feel that I'm present and that there will be, I'll get to a point and look back and regret. And so I think the wholehearted mom thing is somehow finding the way or the perspective to understand, stop now and pay attention or whatever, I don't know. I don't actually know what I'm going to find out, but these are my thoughts. Well, I just love that. It's very honest. And I think that with this concept,
0: the point is not to do we come up with the very most robust definition of what a wholehearted mom is supposed to be. So then we could try to achieve that. Um, For me, it's more about the exploration of seeing ourselves and seeing the role that we have in our homes rightly that, you know, as mothers, whatever our extraneous circumstances might be, whether we work outside the home, or we have older kids, younger kids, I mean, just the nurturing role that mothers play in their home is so essential. And I think that so often, it just makes me think of when people say you can't pour from an empty cup, or I've heard the opposite of that, just go ahead and pour for an empty cup. And I'm just like, okay, well, we got to think about what it is that we're actually pouring because you can't pour something that's not there. So there's that. <laughs> and also there are needs that our kids have that have to be met whether or not we feel energized by doing that or feel like we're prepared for it so there's it's not quite as cut and dry it's not quite as black and white as you know I'm, I'm 100% filled up and ready to go all, at all the times I just think about sustainability like are the things that we're doing in our home sustainable can I continue doing what I'm doing right now again and again daily for weeks months years and I have learned for myself that there are lots of things I've done in the recent past that have not been sustainable, Mm -hmm. which usually I don't discover until I crash and burn, which is, is a way to live, but I just don't know if it's the best way because what I've been learning in the last two years through my deep health challenges and the radical shift of our household and what has to happen here for everyone to be cared for that there are sustainable ways forward. It doesn't mean that they're easy. It doesn't mean that they're really glamorous because I actually think if we're talking about what it looks like to be a wholehearted mom, we're not talking about having it all. We're not talking about um, living to some Pinterest mom ideal that is going to be celebrated by the masses. So with that in mind, knowing that this may not be the most popular view of this topic, I guess can we talk about sustainability in our home routines, our personal habits? I just think that there are real ways that we've kind of set ourselves up for failure. If, if the Pinterest mom or the Instagram mom thing is something that we have to live up to.
2: Yeah. I think each season that I have gone through as a mom has, has looked different for this. So For example, right now with all the kids sleeping through the night, I do wake up earlier than everybody and I have an hour to an hour and a half of quiet time. (laughs) Usually it's, it's reading my Bible and even journaling sometimes if I get to it. Um, but the reason why I say seasons of motherhood is because when I did have a baby waking up in, in the night, I did not do that. And both of those choices are mothering from a place of rest, Mothering from a place of not striving, um, not trying to be the most productive, whatever you want to say. So yeah, I think for me the waking up early right now is really what is getting me ready for the day. And there are days by 11 because I wake up pretty early. So there are days by 11 where I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did my day I'm checking
0: out
2: um, but the but the real like deeper meaning of all of it is that the stuff that I am discovering and learning and doing in that hour and a half is the thing that does sustain me through 11 and 12 and one and two and three and so on. Um, Also coffee.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I, I really had to give myself permission to say it's okay if we are not the family that has the super full schedule and you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If that's life giving to your family to have like activity after activity and something for every single day of the week, like I totally get that. I just have found like for us, we really, really appreciate like a lot of margin. <laughs> and I think we appreciate that because it just allows us to really connect on, on a deep level that we find that is important for our family, you know, with, uh, with a lot of us, I mean, We're fortunate that I am home with our kids. I homeschool, my husband goes to work. But, you know, because of that, we really try to protect our weekends and we try to protect our evenings. And so like, we don't have a lot of extracurricular activities going on and things like that. And the things that are important to us, like family read-aloud time, spending time gardening together, like that, those are the things we prioritize. And it might not look like everybody else, but I've just had to be comfortable with it being okay that way.
2: How did you identify that those are the
3: things that were life-giving to your family? I mean, I think through seasons of really intense transition, um, you know, moving from one state to a new state, health stuff, complications that I've experienced over the past couple of years, or my husband shifting jobs or me shifting roles with work and stuff. um, There have been things that have stayed and the things that have stayed have been like family read aloud time. That's really important to us and things like that. So, or like being together outside, going on family walks, things like being working outside in the garden, like just the things that have stuck through tr- difficult transitions are the things that we've identified.
1: I was just going to say like, I, you guys sound so great. And like, I love how you know yourselves and and you sound like you have good schedules and just whatever. I mean, um, for me, <laughs> I just... I feel like the way that things—the crash and burn—is the way that we have learned that we change yeah, the things. That's real. It is, <laughs> it is, yeah, it is not working. When I wake up, and I've said this to you guys already. When I wake up and there is the epiphany moment where you, like, you know, the witching hour, you sit up in bed like, "Ooh, today has got to be different than yesterday." Um, and, um, and then you hit your knees and you start praying and saying, God, I need to hear your voice on this because I don't know what to do. Um, and I'm, I've tried, I'm tired and I, I'm now going to just sit down and let you take control, take the wheel, give me a word on, on this situation because, um, I don't know what else to do. And he answers. I mean, that's how we ended up with like kids, you're picking dinner. These, this is the way we're blocking out the days, you know, wake up and put on your, your exercise clothes in case you get a chance for some life-saving yoga, um, you know. Yeah,
0: I think that um, some of the first steps for me in becoming a wholehearted mom have been to, first of all, recognize how valuable I am, which is not a I don't know, prideful thing, but I do think mothers need to recognize how valuable they are. Absolutely. Not only for what they do, but just for who they are. And also recognizing our real honest needs that there are lots of things that we want and then there are certain things that we need. And it doesn't mean that they will be filled the way we want them to be filled. It doesn't mean that we get what we want and that we just let everybody else in our household suffer while we tend to ourselves. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like an honest assessment of if you have not had a moment of quiet in days, then you may need to figure out a way to get a moment of quiet, even if it's a show on TV for your kids or a conversation with your husband can I step out for an hour just to regroup just those honest needs and I think that so often we're trying to just keep it together and press forward without even any thought for those needs um, and they could be lots of different mm-hmm. things that's just one very present one in my life at this moment um, just needing to have quiet space to even make decisions about what we're planning for food for the mm-hmm. next week I just find that with everything that's been going on I just like my whole decision making process is very much slowed down because there's just so Mm -hmm. much going on in my mind. And um, so an honest assessment of our needs and then um, an honest assessment of our limitations as well, because I think that our culture tells us that we should be able to have it all, do it all you know, just get a little bit more efficient to do things a different way. And then we could stuff it all into our schedule or our, and I just, I used to think Mm -hmm. that that was totally true in practice. Like I was really all about productivity, all about trying to do things as efficiently as possible, which I still value. I still love, but Mm -hmm. you know, it was really sitting in my counselor's office when I was on the verge of like total overwhelm and she's like so you're a regular mom. (laughs) You're a regular mom who has real limitations and I was like excuse me like how can you say that to me? Do you know who I am? Like I am able to do so many things. And she's like, you're a regular mom. And I was like the best thing that anybody could have said to me, because that's totally true. I'm a regular mom with real limitations. And the more I recognize what those limitations are and start curating our lives and our schedules around Mm -hmm. what my real limitations are, I'm not nearly as frustrated. Yeah, I don't have nearly as many crash and burn days. (laughs) And and that's the hard truth is having to simplify and be really honest with ourselves. I think there are seasons of efficiency and productivity and a lot of momentum. And that is a beautiful and good thing. But again, yeah. I don't think that's sustainable I just, indefinitely. I just had a
3: thought about that as you were talking out of all four of us here. I have the fewest amount of children. I have three and the rest of you have four plus and A lot of mom friends that chat with me, you know, they look at me like, Oh gosh, how do you do it? Or they, they say things like, well, I only have one or I only have two and, and, you know, you have three and you do this and that and the other thing. And I just want to say for the moms there who have one or two children it was harder for me to be a mom of one child than it is to be a mom of three. And I don't know how that works. And I don't, all of you are nodding your heads and saying yes, but there's some (laughs) reason, like when you have one child and you can't get out the door for 45 minutes to an hour, like that's normal and it's okay. And like, maybe me, the mom of three can do quote unquote more, but like, I just want to affirm that right there, that having one child, having two children, especially the age makes a difference. Like, please don't feel like, oh gosh, like Emily's talking about productivity and being the super mom and doing all the things. Like I could not do all the things with one child. Like I could not, I could not. And I just, I don't even know where to leave that off, but I just hear that all the time. And I just wanted to acknowledge being a mom of one child is very much harder than being a mom of like multiple and more. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, I, I would say that's absolutely true. And there there are a couple things that come up in my mind when you talk about that. I think it's way easier with seven than it was with three or four or five or six, which is <laughs> which is weird because you would need more kids, you know, more work. And there is a there is an aspect that there is another person that needs my attention and my care but there's also the maturation process of as we recognize what our kids are capable of doing how they can contribute to our household mm-hmm. and they really do need to be developing mastery over certain things that have to do with care for their themselves and their surroundings that you know, we we really are a team effort here, and I don't expect them to parent their siblings. I will be the parent all day long, every day, as long as they live under my roof. But when it comes to care for our household and care for one another, um, and I even just tell them, guys, Mama needs some quiet time, so we're gonna do reading hour. You can stay in your beds. I don't even care if you read, but you gotta leave me alone because <laughs> <laughs> I need that hour for my regroup for the rest of the day. And um, I feel a lot more confident saying that now because I recognize. This is an actual need, not just me being selfish or something like that.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I've had some real life experience with this just recently because I had my older three um, leaving each day for school and now we're all home again. So I'm watching my three-year-old and my two-year-old. They had a lot of mommy's attention for five months every day. And I've been a little bit at war with myself about my three-year-old and my two-year-old. And are they going to be okay? And like, I can't spend as much time with them. I haven't read books to them on the couch in ages. I just can't, I don't have the time, blah, 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 beating myself up about it. And Part of the wholeheartedness of motherhood is to accept the truth that they're fine. And the fact that they are with us and they're doing what we're doing, whether it's I'm helping the older ones with math or whatever it is, like they're there, they're experiencing it. I have even in the last two weeks seen my three-year-old's vocabulary grow. And that is because big brothers and and big sister are home. So I think there's um There is a deep-seated peace to know that our kids, when we say yes to a simpler life or whatever it is for each family, those things that you're going to hold on to, there is a deep-seated peace that can um, abide with the mom. And that is part of being a wholehearted mom.
3: What I was thinking as you were talking was, um, you are talking about accepting that your kids are okay and they're going to be fine and like resting in that. I know each of us individually have gone through like, We're talking about caring about ourselves, nurturing ourselves as mothers. I know each of you individually, myself included, have gone through like our own journeys of healing in our lives. And I'd just be curious, like how being a mom, have we been able to do that? Or how has like allowing ourselves to walk through our unique healing journeys, like affected our parenting, affected our mothering? Or like, why is that important? as a mom, um, to prioritize that for ourselves. So as we're talking about all of this and we're trying, you know, we're relating this
2: deep seated peace, this living from rest, mothering from rest, these are words are very healing. And so I wanted to just bring in this idea of how motherhood has healed you. And specifically, Emily, just with all that you've been through in the past two years, how do you relate to this in the sense that motherhood is healing you?
0: Well, um, I would say that motherhood hasn't healed me. (laughs) I would say that God has been healing me specifically in a very deep spiritual way that has made its way out to the rest of my life. And one of the primary things that I've learned in the last year that has really blown my mind um, is just the need for my spirit to be nourished by God, which is a kind Mm -hmm. of deep, kind of abstract idea. But the heart of it is really about connection with God and receiving from God the things that he offers to sustain us. And I think those things are received through spending time uh, in the Bible, spending time in prayer, in worship, in fellowship with others. And I just didn't know how pivotal this would be in my life. Um, When I was Mm -hmm. seeing my counselor who I continue to reference because she's one of the most important people I've ever met at this point. Um, Shout out for counseling. Woohoo! Yes, it has been so, so good. Um, I didn't realize that there was a difference between my mind and soul where I like think and process and experience emotions and all that stuff. And then my spirit, which is my connection to God and... Mm -hmm finding that my spirit not being nourished was something that was leading to problems in the rest of my life. Um, Like, it's not that I didn't read my Bible or go to church. It's not about the list and, and, you know, marking off the boxes. It really is about receiving actual spiritual sustenance from God Mm -hmm. that it is a little bit of a mystery because it's not a linear, like, you stick in a quarter and a gumball comes out of the machine. (laughs) It's more like a being connected to and being nourished is kind of like, you know, the whole a tree planted by streams of water that is flourishing. I have been learning what that looks like in my own life. And as I have reclaimed my health and recovered some margin and learned about nourishing my spirit, I've seen very physical healing in my body, which again, sort of a mystery, but also awesome, I will say. And I also, you know, I've struggled with anxiety in a pretty significant way that um, has also really more or less been taken care of through the process of learning how to be deeply connected to God and seeking Him for what I need on a daily basis. And so... I feel like that's cryptic and it is definitely just <laughs> such a tiny slice of the whole story. But I think being a wholehearted mom cannot happen without Jesus. I really don't think it can happen in in the furthest extent of wholeness. It just can't happen without him. And so um, I guess in this conversation, I mostly want to say that um, connecting to God is Probably the most forward thinking thing that we can do to bless our children because I think we receive spiritual goodness from the Lord that we then are able to pour out to our kids in the form of patience and gentleness and wisdom. And, you know, I too have moments often where I'm like, I don't know what to do about this particular parenting challenge. And I have learned to take a deep breath and say a quick prayer, and ask God for wisdom for myself, because I don't know what to do. And I've had some of the most unconventional, but really brilliant ways to to handle it, especially I'm kind of dancing around it a bit, but I've had a lot of stuff with my two older sons, like really being um, at odds with each other. And I used to just discipline them, like, you go to your bed, you go to your bed, and just Kind of get out of my face because I can't deal with the bickering anymore. And instead of doing that, as I have gone through this process of asking God, Well, what should I do? You know, He's like, Go for the heart and go for the heart. And I'm like, How do I do that? <laughs> you know, like, and He's like, He just gives me the words. It's like, I mean, the next moment when I s- spoke to my older son, I just said, Son, love is patient and love is kind. Are you being patient and kind with your brother? And I just let the question hang there. And He had such a softer reception to that than, um, I mean, it's, it's not like it fixes all problems, but I think that's the whole point of, like, the long game. Like, I'm actually more interested in molding their character and influencing the people they become than modifying the behavior in the moment so I don't have to deal with it. And so there you go. There's some things.
1: So I looked up all or whole, um, as it's used in Matthew 22, verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all or your whole mind um, in the Bible concordance. And you find this, that wholeness is all, all together, every whit and throughout. Um, so when you think about a wholehearted mothering I look at my kids sometimes and I see things, they say things, they do things. I was told yesterday that I was hated. Um, and, um, it's hard, um, to then feel like loving throughout every wit altogether. And, um, You know, I'm just wondering, like we're talking about setting boundaries and learning what's how we're valuable and what we need. But this is slightly different Um, when you're having when you're seeing things. And yes, you are speaking the word to them, um, to the kids and stuff. But how do you feel like you achieve this this part of the wholehearted mom? I
2: feel like there's a lot of moments in my day where this is true. I guess the ugly stuff. Right. And I feel like I don't catch it all in the moment yeah. and it's not because I'm not in the moment. It's just because the moments are so many. So it's just like so overwhelming. <laughs> so just from like a technical standpoint, almost when they go to bed or early in the morning, when no one is around me, there are times where I'll be like, you know, that interaction that I had with them was not great or this wasn't right. Or the two of them, blah, blah, blah. and. I find myself going back later and saying to them, Hey, do you remember when such and such and such happened and then kind of dealing with it then? And so, cause some, I think the ugly stuff, I, I don't, I'm not good at dealing with it in the moment. Like Emily, the thing you just said about love is patient, love is kind. I'm literally like, thank you. Like I'm going to use that like later on today when I leave this room. But all of that to say, like all the 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 moments that just break my spirit, I don't do well in the moment, but later on, sometimes I can, and my kids are good with it, they run with it, they're like,, yeah. they remember. They know. They're like, okay, thanks.
0: Or, well, they don't say thanks, but they say,
1: sure, mom, I know what you're
0: talking about. Thank you so much for caring about my character development. (laughs) No, my kids don't say that. (laughs) I know. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to say about that, that the tough moments are tough no matter what I have my own tough moments but I think for me my first response which is kind of what I've built into my muscle memory I would say is just gentle whatever that is sometimes gentle is addressing it on the spot with a gentle voice sometimes gentle is I'll address this later when I am not flaming now right and I just think that you know, gentle is my it's my word because I feel like if I can't do it gently, then I probably shouldn't be doing it. And um, and I feel like that's easier. We've talked about this on a podcast before. I feel like gentleness is easier than kindness. Yeah. <laughs> I can't always find the kind words. Uh-huh. I can find the gentle words like I will talk with you about this later mm-hmm. with a calm, mm-hmm. gentle voice. I can't say I, I can't, I don't can't even call to mind words of kindness when I am really upset with my kids over what they have said to me or what they are doing to each other. Um, there are a lot of tough moments, but I just think, um, a considered response is better than immediate response. Right. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Going back later is not a failure.
2: Oh No, it's you know? not a failure. Mm. No,
3: it's wisdom. That gives me a lot of reassurance because my kids are still fairly young. They're four, six and seven. And, um, it can be easy to like get into that mom guilt. Like, oh, we did this wrong. We handled this wrong. But you, it, there's, it's never too late to go back and acknowledge a situation and go back and say, hey, you know, this happened. And you can always go back and you can always end it on a good note, even if in the moment it didn't feel that way.
1: Um, Mary-Kate, are you the one who told me about, um, and maybe this is this doesn't work here, but are you the one who told me about how the Holy Spirit can actually go back in time with you or God can go back in time with you and heal things. Yeah, we've had that conversation. Um, more so just
3: I guess reframing that we the present that we live in, I think viewing it that God exists outside of time and that each one of our days are ever before him. So our very first day of life is before him, our very last. And um that because of that, you know, when things that have happened. Um, in our past or whatnot that still hurt, you know, even as adults, even as parents ourselves, that the Holy Spirit can can take us back and he can bring restoration um, to those places that may where we may have been hurt and maybe still feel that hurt as adults and as parents ourselves and that it can change our are present and it can be really, really Mm. liberating. Always looking for redemption. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I'd love to wrap this time up by just asking each of you, uh, what is something that you have learned in your own journey as a mother that has brought you peace or brought you healing
1: in some way? Um, Can I just say what Mary Kate just said (laughs) is very helpful. Oh my gosh! And also, but putting that together with what Lynn just said about your, you know, you are not a failure to go back, and tying that together with Emily. Okay, I'm not just listen. It all works. <laughs> going, <laughs> going back in time. Going back. And understanding that you don't have to Mm -hmm. say the thing at the moment, okay? Especially as I've told you before, I've told some of you before, I do deal with anger. It is something that God is really helping me with. And so Mm -hmm. um, just to even hear that, like, I don't have to be kind right now. I can still be gentle. I can literally not have a good thing to say to you right now and just say, Mm -hmm. we will discuss this later. In my gentle voice, and um, and be able to come back to that, and it not be a failure. It's kind of what I like. What I just learned about um, education in general that when you're homeschooling, if your kids are not in the right mood, or they're not the right the, the right frame of mind. Don't try to push it because they're not learning. Um, it's better to take a break to have a recess and 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 come back. And then, you know, you're you yourself regroup. So, I mean, this is really helpful and encouraging. It, it's a good word. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I think for me, just going off of what you just said, Jay, is like this idea of perfectionism, perfectionism or like the perfect day or the perfect schedule or the perfect baby or the perfect anything, like just how God has dismantled all of that in my life. And I never, ever would have said I was a perfectionist, but um, I I think I am or a control freak or something. And so like the way that God has like dismantled that little by little and he's just asked me to give it to him and to let him do his thing and to show me a better way. And like, um, I think that's probably for me the biggest like
0: overall mom yeah. lesson. Well, and just to piggyback off that a little bit, Lynn, I just feel like I was several years into motherhood before I realized... Yeah. This was not supposed to be easy. Like I thought that I just couldn't hack it. Whatever, whatever, all the other moms were doing to like get through their days and and making it look easy, I just didn't have that. And um, I just feel like knowing that it's not supposed to be easy. It is supposed to be hard. And we are going to. It's not supposed to be easy, and sometimes you have an appendage <laughs> that is uh, at your side <laughs> during a podcast recording. <laughs> during a podcast recording, uh, no, I just um, just realizing it that I wasn't missing it. Like it wasn't like I was doing it wrong, and and that's why it was hard. But it's just, it's a, it is just is a is a hard job, right? How about you, Mary Kate?
3: I think for me. Um, there's a lot that we can, we can complicate motherhood and, and there's a lot that goes into raising kids. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm, I'm learning as I go. And I think I will always feel that way, but I always just keep coming back to this one thing. And I think God just has drawn my heart to this one thing that, um, if I can help empower my kids to see, um, how they, can hear from the Lord, even in a young age. Um, that wasn't—I was not raised in church, and I think if I can just help cultivate their relationship with the Lord in any way that I can, no matter what that looks like, whether it's in worship or when we pray together as a family at night, that they know that like they can hear from the Lord himself, that they can hear from the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And one of my prayers that I pray over them is that they would hunger and thirst for righteousness, that they would hunger and thirst for truth and that um, they would seek first the kingdom of God and all that they do in their life. And um, I know that that's not really anything that I, I can make happen. It's just, it's just the work of God in their life. And I can facilitate certain things and I can model certain things, but there's a lot of peace knowing like God is working their story and he is working in their hearts and working in their life. And if I can just help say, Hey, listen, like you can hear from the Lord yourself, you know, you can, you have a relationship with him. Like that gives me a lot more peace. It doesn't feel as daunting. It doesn't feel as overwhelming. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but at the, at the end of the day, that's just what I come back to is how I pray for their hearts and the desires of their hearts. Yeah, and
0: I think just to go back to what we were talking about earlier about nourishing your spirit, part of how we nourish the spirit of our children is bringing them the the things of God through teaching them how to pray, teaching them what the value of Scripture is. and. Um, so I think that's exactly what you're describing. It's learning how to do that first for ourselves and also teaching our children how they can do that as well. <laughs> and growling baby here yeah. to round out the show. <laughs> well, thank you ladies so much. I really appreciate you being here and um, just feels like a really beautiful and beautiful home series. So thank you Thanks. so much. Thanks. Good to thank just talk with you
3: guys. Thanks, Em.